And if he says, I am saved, I'm saved. If he says, I'm healed, I'm healed. If he says, I'm delivered, I'm delivered. I can say it with boldness. It's the will of God. It's the will of God to save. It's the will of God to heal. It's the will of God to deliver. Today we're going to talk about praying bold, big prayers. And let me remind you of what the definition I'm using is of the word bold. Boldness is behavior born out of belief. It's behavior born out of belief. We tend to behave according to what we believe. Now this is so true when it comes to our prayer life. Because what you pray and how you pray says volumes about what you believe about God. Let me say that again. What you pray and how you pray reflects what you believe about God. Now, if you don't ever pray, then what does that say? It says a couple of things. First of all, it says you may not even believe in God. And then secondly, if you never pray, you're saying that I don't believe God answers prayer. Here's another thing. Not only that, but what if you only pray self-centered prayers? In other words, what if your prayers is all about you? Your prayers is just all about God blessing you. God, give me a raise. God, give me a promotion. God bless my marriage. God bless my family. God help me to get approved on this loan so we can buy that house that we want to buy. Self-centered prayers. And if that's the case, what that reflects about you is that you believe that God is a God who is here to just serve you. And the moment that God doesn't do what you ask God to do, then you get offended with God. You, You can even tell a lot about what we believe about God in the language that we use. You've heard it before. People are going through situations. People are going through circumstances. They try everything they know to try to resolve those situations, to try to resolve those circumstances. And when they've done everything they know to do, then they make this statement. Well, I guess all we can do now is pray. As if prayer was a last resort. And what that reflects about your belief of God is that you believe that God is the last resort. When everything else fails to work, now we'll give God an opportunity to do something. You see, what we believe determines how we, believe, how we pray. What we believe about God determines how we pray. It's a reflection. Our prayer life is a reflection of what we believe about God. Let me, let me ask you a question this morning. And, and I really, if you've got a pencil and a piece of paper there near you, you, you may want to write this down. But I, I just want you to ask yourself this question. Based on the prayers that you prayed this last week, since last Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, let's just say that God said yes to every prayer that you prayed this past week. Let me me ask you this. How would the world be a different place today if God had answered And miraculously said yes to every prayer that you prayed this past week. 
Now, now your own personal life and your own personal space might have gotten better if you were praying self-centered prayer. But I'm talking about how would this world be a different place if God would have said yes to every prayer that you prayed this past week, how would our world be different? So this morning, we're going to talk about bold prayers. And, and, and before I get into the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at together today, let me, let me just go back and review a little bit about what we talked about last week and how it ties into what we're going to talk about this week. If you have your Bibles, you may want to go ahead and, and flip in your Bibles or turn in your Bibles over to Acts chapter 4. We're going to go back to Acts chapter 4 today as we talk about amazing, bold prayers. Now, now last week when I talked to you about amazing boldness, I talked to you about a guy, as an example from Scripture, a guy by the name of Peter. And, and we know that after the resurrection of Jesus, after Peter witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, after Jesus reaffirmed him and told him, Peter, you're forgiven, I still have a plan for your life, and then after being filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, Peter became a completely different man. And he gets up on the day of Pentecost and he preaches a message, a bold message in front of thousands of people who once intimidated him. And he looks at these people who once intimidated him and he says to them, you are a crooked, you are a perverse generation. And what you need to do is you need to repent of your sins and be baptized and then you can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that day, the Bible said 3,000 people were saved and became a part of the very first church. You go to Acts chapter 3, and in Acts chapter 3, we saw this last week, Peter and John are going to the temple, and they come to a gate called Beautiful, and at the gate called Beautiful, there is a man that has been crippled his entire life. He's about 40 years old, and he's been crippled his entire life, and he's sitting out there, and he's begging for alms begging for them to put money in his little tin cup. And Peter and John looked at him, and this is so bold to say to a man who had been crippled for 40 years. They looked at him and they said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. And here comes the boldness. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And walk. Now that's a bold thing to say to a guy who's never walked in 40 years. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Well, that miracle, the man is healed. And he runs through the temple leaping and praising God. And listen to me, if you had just been healed after 40 years and you had never been able to walk, you would be running and leaping and praising God as well. And you wouldn't worry about what the naysayers say. It caused such a stir in that community. That Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin and they're questioned about this miracle. And they look at them and here's what they say to Peter and John. They said, by what authority and what name did you do this? And I love the way that Peter responds. He looks at them and he says, let me be clear. That this man was healed by the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And then he got even more bold. He said, looked at them and said, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead. 
Well, after the Sanhedrin, after the council there, after they interview, after they question Peter and John, they then send them into another room and they come together and have a little conference to try and decide what they're going to do with these men. And once they've sent Peter and John out, here's what they said to, to one another. This is so awesome. They said, listen, there's no denying that a miracle has taken place here. No denying it. I mean, we all know this man. And we've seen him time after time. All through his 40 years, we've seen that he's never been able to walk. And now he can walk. So there's no denying that a miracle has happened here. But they said, guys, if we don't shut this down right now, this stuff is going to spread throughout this entire region. And we won't ever be able to put a stop to it. And so they call Peter and John back in and they demand them, stop preaching. Stop teaching, threatening them. Stop preaching, stop teaching in the name of Jesus. To which Peter looks back at him and said, listen, judge for yourself what's right. That is, whether we obey God or whether we obey you. All I'm going to tell you is this. There's no way I can keep silent about what I've seen and what I've heard. And so they made more threats to them, telling them, you better stop this preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. They made more threats to them, and then they released them. And that's where we pick up the story this morning in Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It says that on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priest and the elders had said to them. And when the people heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Listen to me, I can't explain it. But something incredibly powerful happens when the people of God come together to pray. There is power in agreement. There is power when people of God come together in faith, believing that God can do anything. There is power in corporate prayer. And the Bible says that when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And I want you to notice the prayer that they prayed. First of all, they said, Sovereign Lord. Listen, that's a great way to start any prayer that you pray. Sovereign Lord. Because you know what the word sovereign means? It means that God is the man. It means that God is large and in charge. It means that God has the final word and the final say in everything. That God is sovereign. That means that we can pray and ask God for something, but we know that God is sovereign, and we're like, God, if you do what we're asking you to do, great. But if not, we know you're sovereign. We know you have the last word in this, and we're not going to argue with you, God, because who knows better than you do. And so they begin their prayer by saying, Sovereign Lord. You are in control. You're in charge. And I want you to notice what they do not do. They do not say, God, kill all these people who are against us. They do not pray, God, remove the problem, remove the obstacle. But what they're going to pray is they're going to pray that God will enable them and give them the power to go through what it is that they're going through, but to come through it victoriously. 
And if we're not careful, what do we do every time we pray? God, if you would just deal with this person in my life. God, if you'll just get this problem out of my way. God, if you'll just get this obstacle out of my way, then my life could be so much easier. And you know what? Maybe sometimes God will do that. But maybe God is saying to somebody here this morning, no, I'm not going to remove that thing in your life right now because I'm going to use that thing or I'm going to use that person to help mold you and make you into the individual that I've called you to be. And so they pray this. They said, Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, don't you know God's up there saying, oh, 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 I did? Well, thank you for reminding me of that. No, they're not praying that to remind God. They're praying it to remind themselves who their God is. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens, you made the earth, you made the sea, and everything in them you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. And here's what David said. This is a prophetic psalm that David gives us in Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. David wrote and said, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus whom you anointed. In other words, they said, God, we're not caught off guard by this. God, we're not surprised by the circumstances that we're dealing with right now because David prophesied in Psalm chapter 2, and we've read the Old Testament scripture that this was going to happen, that nations would come together and in their rage, they would plot and they would conspire and they would crucify Jesus, the anointed one. So we're not caught off guard by this. This is not unexpected. And then notice what they said next. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. You see, we go back to God being sovereign. And from the foundation of the earth, God had a plan for your salvation and for my salvation. And that plan was that the Lamb of God would be slain for the sins that the people had committed. And notice, here's what they're saying. They're saying they just did what your power and will decided beforehand would happen. They carried out what you already planned. They carried out what was already your will. And nothing, God, could have stopped your plan. Nothing could have stopped your purpose. Nothing could have stopped your will. You see, they're reminding themselves that not only is God large and in charge, but that you can trust the word of God. That when God speaks, you know God's word is going to come to pass. And it's going to be exactly the way that God said that it's going to be. But then we come to that part in this prayer where they pray two bold things that I pray will happen here at Summerton Church of God, that we will pray these same two bold prayers. And the first thing that they prayed was this. They prayed for greater boldness. Because because listen to what they say in this prayer in verse 29. They said, now, Lord, consider their threats. And, And we don't know everything about those threats, but, but, but we do know that they were possibly threatened with imprisonment. 
They were possibly threatened with death. They were possibly threatened that, 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 that they would even begin to kill their family members if they didn't shut up preaching and teaching about the name of Jesus. And so they're praying and they said, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Now, listen, if Peter and John had been in our culture today, no doubt, somebody would have probably tried to call them into the office and said, listen, guys, I really appreciate what you're doing, but don't you think it's time that you just kind of lay low for a little while? I mean, here you are praying for great boldness, and wasn't it your boldness that got you into trouble to begin with? Wasn't it your boldness that got you brought before the council to begin with? So guys, y'all just need to quieten down a little bit. Y'all just need to lay low for a little while. But no, that's not what they're praying. They're praying that they would speak the word of God with great boldness. Let me ask you this. Do you pray for boldness? When you pray... Do you pray and do you ask God for boldness? Now, I'm not talking about recklessness. I'm not talking about rudeness. I'm talking about bold. That when you encounter somebody who does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, that you have the boldness to share the good news with them. That you have the boldness to share the gospel with them. And listen, if you pray for boldness, you better watch out. Because when you begin to pray for boldness, you, you, you can just expect it to happen next time you go to Walmart. Somebody's going to walk up to you right there in front of everybody and say, hey, I'm going through this. I'm going through that. Would you please take time and pray for me? And what do we do sometimes if we're not careful? We look at them and say, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll be praying for you. See, you. see you later. I'll be praying for you. No, when you've got the boldness that you've asked for from God, you don't care where you are. If somebody has a need and they need prayer, then right there in that moment at that time, you know what you're going to do? You're going to say, you know what? We're not going to wait till later. We're going to pray right now. Right now. Hey, you know, you know I, I did that not too long ago, not, not here in, in Summerton, but I was in a Walmart and saw somebody. They came over to me. Pastor, I've been going through this, been going through some tough times. Would you pray for me? And I almost gave that typical response. You know, that typical response. Yeah, glad you shared it with me. Be praying for you. God bless you. See ya. But the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, no, you need to pray right now for this person's need. And I said, okay, come on, give me, give me your hands. And I could tell they were as surprised as I was. I said, we're going to pray right here. We wasn't far into the entrance where people are coming in and going out. And I took hold and I began to pray. And while I'm praying, all of a sudden somebody else walks up and knew who I was and said, by the way, I, I saw you praying for them. Would you, would you pray for me? I got, I got this going on in my life. And then while I'm praying for them, another person Another person walks up that I didn't know. And I looked at him and I said, you must be one of my balcony people because I don't know you. <laughs> you know, you just kind of slip in and you slip out. Not had the opportunity to meet you. She said, no, I don't even go to your church. I don't even know who you are. I just saw you praying for these other people and I've got a need in my life and I want you to pray for me as well. Pray. We've got to pray, saints. We've got to pray for boldness. And they prayed, even though they were already bold, they prayed for greater boldness. 
But not only did they pray for greater boldness, you got to see this. Here's the second thing. They prayed for miracles. And I know this is so simple here this morning. But guys, if we can learn to pray for boldness, and if we can learn to pray for miracles, notice what they prayed here. They said, Father God, stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So not only did they pray for boldness, they prayed for miracles. They prayed for signs and for wonders. And you know what wonders are? It's when God works in such a way that people just stand around with their jaw dropped and their eyes wide open saying, wow, how did that happen? Wow, God, how did you do that? That is impossible. How in the world did that happen? We need some of those kinds of miracles in our church. We need some of those kinds of miracles in our community, amen, where people are left, even unbelievers are left with their jaw dropped and their eyes wide open saying, wow, only God could do something like that. Only God can do the impossible, but not just wonders. People standing around saying, wow, God, how did you do that? But signs and signs is when God works in such a way that it always points back to his glory. It always points back to his power. Hallelujah. I want to see God do such miracles that they're like signs to the unbeliever that they say only God could have done that. Only God has that kind of power. Only God has that kind of ability. We've got to pray bold, big prayers. And listen to me, I've seen God do so many ridiculous things. I've seen God do so many impossible things that I've gotten rid of my escape clauses when I pray. You know what I'm talking about? You know, people pray and as an escape clause because they don't want to look bad in case the prayer didn't get answered or they don't want God to look bad. You know, one of those escape clauses, and I think, it, I think the meaning is good, is this. If it is your will, Lord... According to your will. And, and, and listen, I know that we've got to pray according to the will of God. But more times than not, it's an escape clause that just in case the prayer doesn't get answered, we don't take responsibility for it. We say it was God. You know, it just wasn't God's will. Here's what I believe. I believe that if it's written in the word of God, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 6 says that he has said so that we might boldly say. And if he says I am saved, I'm saved. If he says I'm healed, I'm healed. If he says I'm delivered, I'm delivered. I can say it with boldness. It's the will of God. It's the will of God to save. It's the will of God to heal. It's the will of God to deliver. Amen. Amen. I've seen God do so many miraculous things that, listen to me now, I am bold when I go to God in prayer. I've told you the story before, I think I've told you the story before, that when my dad felt the call to pastor in Oregon, how God supplied our needs when we were there because my dad's first check that first Sunday he was there. Here's the deal. The state overseer calls my dad and he says, he says, Melvin, that's my dad's name. He said, Melvin, I got a church out here in Oregon that I want you to come pastor. My dad had just gone into ministry. He'd only been pastoring a little small church there out of Alabaster. And he said, listen, if you'll go out and take this church, he said, you will be, you'll be the district overseer. 
Now, that was, that was pretty big to my dad who had just started in ministry. I mean, he built it up. He meant well. So dad packs all of us kids up. We go to Oregon. We took our time getting there. I think I've told you the story. It took us about two, two and a half weeks because we wanted to see all the sites going out. But when it was time to come back home, we got home in two days. But my dad gets out there and it's a little church in Klamath Falls, Oregon, 20 people. He's the district overseer, but he's the only church on the district. <laughs> and his first paycheck was $4. That was the offering they received for him. And he had taken me, my brother, my sister, my mom, all of us to the other side of the country. And so needless to say, about seven months later, God changed his mind and sent us back home to Alabama. And we got to Kingman, Arizona. Dad pulled into a golf station, filled the car up, got a few snacks, spent the last little bit of money that he had, got back in the car. And at that point in time, we had to pray that God would supply our need to get us from Kingman, Arizona, back to Alabaster, Alabama. Didn't know how it was gonna happen. But we were praying that God would provide. And we're pulling out of that little Gulf station in Kingman, Arizona. And when we pull out of that Gulf station in Kingman, Arizona, a car pulls in and my mama looks and she said, Melvin, that was Gary and Brenda Holcomb that just pulled into that gas station. Daddy said, no, it's not. What in the world? That's, that were their best friends from Alabama. Daddy said, there ain't no way. What would they be doing all the way out here in Kingman, Arizona? And my mama said, I'm telling you, I know what I saw. And that was Gary and Brenda Holcomb. And Daddy said, well, I'll turn around and go prove you wrong. <laughs> he pulled up in that gas station. And sure enough, it was my mother's best, my mom and dad's best friends, Gary and Brenda Holcomb and their three children. And they had been in California and they were on their way back home. And we divinely intersected them in Kingman, Arizona. And from that point, they helped us with our gas, they helped us with our food, and they got us back home. Don't tell me God cannot do the impossible. He can do the impossible. Amen. But we've got to learn to pray. We've got to learn to pray the impossible. We've got to learn to pray boldly. Like Joshua in Joshua chapter 10. If you've not read this, you need to go home and read it today. But in Joshua chapter 10, God has been using Joshua as the leader of the army of Israel. They've just come off of two incredible victories over Jericho and Ai. And there's another city that hears about how the Israelites are going through the land and overtaking cities because that's what God promised would happen when they got into the promised land. And so a city by the name of Gibeon came to Joshua and said, we want to form an alliance here with you. We want to enter into a treaty with you that you won't come into our city and destroy it like you've been doing these others. And Joshua did that. He entered into that agreement with them. When the king of Jerusalem, Adonai Dezek, heard about it, he contacted four other kings over four other nations. He said, guys, Gibeon was already a great city but if we don't come together and go and destroy it it's going to become even greater and so he forms this alliance with four other nations and they begin to go toward Gibeon and when the king of Gibeon hears about it he calls or he has words sent to Joshua Joshua we're about to be attacked we're outnumbered we don't know what to do we need you guys to come up here and help us fight 
And so Joshua gets his troops together and they head to Gibeon. And as he's going to Gibeon, the Lord speaks to him. And here's what he says. He said, don't you fear anything because not one of them is going to be able to withstand you. And they get out on the battlefield. And it's evident that God's given them the victory. But Joshua recognizes we're running out of time. We need more time if we're going to be able to get complete victory over these nations. We're running out of time. And do you know what this man does? He prays one of the most bold prayers that you'll find anywhere in the Bible. He looks up at the sun and he says, Sun, stand still. Moon, don't you move from your place. And do you know what happened? The sun stood still and the moon did not move. And the day was prolonged and God gave those Israelites complete victory. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. The sun doesn't move anyway. You're right, it doesn't. It's always still. And neither does the moon. It's always still. But God did an even greater miracle. He stopped the spinning of the earth. He brought it to a complete halt because this man had the boldness to pray, sun, stand still, moon, stay in your place. What a bold prayer. But the Bible says this in Joshua chapter 10, that it was written down in the history books about what happened on this day, that it had never happened before and it not happened after because it was a day when God listened to a man. Oh, I want to pray such prayers that it gets the attention of God. Do you hear me? Such bold, big prayers that God says, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did he just say? He wants the sun to stand still. He wants the moon to stop. You mean he just prayed that that axe head that fell in the water would float back up to the top of the water? You mean he just prayed that a man who's been dead for four days would come back to life again? Yes, those kind of prayers. That's the kind of prayers I'm talking about, Summerton Church of God. We serve a great big God. And the prayers that we pray are a reflection of what we believe about our God. That's why I'm praying 32,689 people will be born again for the glory of God in this community because we serve a big God it's not me it's not you but us together with God can do the impossible somebody give God some praise in this house this morning we want you to come and join us here at Summerton Church of God. God is doing some amazing, miraculous things, and we want you and your family to be a part of that. We are eliminating the darkness in this community by being light.